Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sundays You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. So what on earth is that? Are you doing an Indian wailing song or...? That's Billie Eilish. I absolutely love Billie Eilish. She's only 19. She's the youngest to have a, a US number one. She's done the new Bond theme. And I really honestly, honestly think that if Billie Eilish had been a pop star when I was growing up, I wouldn't have had such an awful life because... I wouldn't have become anorexic when I was 11. I wouldn't have then become, a, a, what's it called when you don't have periods? A meanie, a meanie, something or other. I wouldn't have been ashamed of getting naked in front of a man and having sex. So I honestly think she's a service to young women. I really do, because she gets so many million Instagram fans. And always her image has been... Even though it's been designer, it's been Chanel and it's been Vuitton. She wears incredibly baggy clothes. So no one can look at her, no young girl can look at her and say, oh gosh, I want breasts like Billie Eilish or I want legs like Billie Eilish. She's completely anonymous. All she is is this beautiful, beautiful face hovering above a sort of giant square. And she's like that on stage. And I think that's what young people appreciate. But now, and I'm quite upset about this, she's on the cover of June British Vogue wearing a corset. And inside is page after page after page of corsets. And what they did is they got all different designers to custom make corsets for her. But to me, that is going back to not only the photos by Horst, in the 30s and 40s, but it's going back to Madonna, who wore corsets and she wore Jean-Paul Gaultier bras and everything. What? Why has she succumbed to this idea that women have to be sex objects showing off their bodies? And, of course, the magazine's published an interview where she says, it was all my idea and I came up with the idea of being in a corset. Well, what you have to do then as an editor is you say, no, it's a bad idea. What we're going to do is we're going to shoot you in a burkini. We're going to shoot you... We're just going to do your face. You know, your body doesn't matter. As long as it's healthy, it doesn't matter. You already sell records without using your body. Why is the body so... Why has she succumbed to this? I'm, I am I feel not? a bit betrayed. Why, why I, No, I don't know. I think she looks amazing. No, she does look amazing, but that's not the point. The point is your body is irrelevant as long as it's, it's healthy. Not, it's not, though, is it? It's not irrelevant because if it was irrelevant... No, but that's her whole image. But she, well, she's all about body positivity, isn't it? And it, that gives her the right 
to do what she wants to do. She can make that choice to be wearing baggy clothes, not show, or she can stick herself in a corset and look fabulous. Body positivity is all about to me. It's very, very old fashioned. You're going back to an idea that women have to look like Marilyn Monroe and they have to have teeny tiny waists with no room for their kidneys. And if she'd stuck to her guns. I'd have had so much more well, respect for her. All fashion is cyclical, isn't it? We, we, we go through... I mean, I'm sure at some point we're going to have bloody rah-rah dresses back. God forbid. Please, no. No. But, you know, we've got them awful puff sleeves back these summers. But why has she cyclical. succumbed? Why does she feel she's had to succumb? She's got everything she could possibly want. You know, she gets male attention. She's got millions of fans. She's got money. She's got Grammys. She's got number ones. To oh. me, I don't know. It's just like... You remember when Little Mix came on the scene and yeah. they've got a huge young following. And yes. I remember I, I was doing a piece about why pop stars have to look sexy for the Daily Mail. And I spoke to my friend Isabel and she hit it on the head and she said, well, the reason Little Mix look like prostitutes and they wear hot pants and bare midriffs and all their breasts out and everything is because they don't think they're very attractive. They're not beautiful. Therefore, they have to go over the top and dress in these cartoonish costumes because they don't think they're beautiful. And I think she had a point there. Uh, I think I think sometimes it's just it's just about what's in fashion. It's just about but young no, girls no, 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 to no, dress no. Up. What Little Mix wears is not in fashion. You know, it's absolutely not. You'd never see that in vogue, you know, like rubber hot pants. and. It's a different sort of fashion, isn't it? Teeny. No, but it's not fashion. Teeny pop culture is a different thing to vogue. I don't know. I, I, I think I disagree. Well, I do disagree with you. I think if you wear what you want to wear and if something makes you feel good, it's not necessarily her succumbing to a different, a different way of thinking. It's just possibly another part of her, the same as you can be a wife, a mother, a career woman, a feminist. You, yeah, could, but you if, can be all different You know, if things. I think of all the artists that I've admired and listened to, for example, Joni Mitchell, Carol King... Who was the woman who sang You're So Vain? Carly Simon. Carly Simon's, love her. You would never, ever see Carly Simon or Joni Mitchell or Carol King in a corset on the cover of Vogue. I mean, if you look at the, the cover of Tapestry, one of my favourite albums of all time by Carol King, she's sitting in an old jumper with her cat looking out a window. She would never have got into a corset. Yeah, we... You know, there are times like this. I mean, well done for Vogue for getting her, and she has got a beautiful face, so I don't think she's doing this because she doesn't think she's beautiful, because she is beautiful. And I've watched the documentary about her on on Apple, and she's an incredible young woman, and she does have Tourette's, um, and every now and then she does this sort of tick when she gets stressed, so she has this sort of tick. And I'm sure that troubled her growing up. She thought, I'll never get a boyfriend because I've got this weird tick. So she's showing that she's flawed. And there are times like this when I wish I hadn't been sacked as a magazine editor because if I had Billie Eilish for the cover of my new magazine, I'd have sat her on a windowsill with a cat looking out a window. It's a bit boring, though. Of course, it's a It's much not nicer. boring. That is the most iconic album cover of all time. It is. No, I, I, no, I think if you feel good... Wear what the hell you like, whether it's a corset, whether it's a sack. Just wear what you like. I don't care. Well, we're going to come back to this topic shortly <laughs> because you'll see I betrayed all of my 
two and a half Instagram followers. <laughs> so what's what have you been up to this week, Nick, apart from having caught what I've got? I, I did. I got your lurgy, so I've been laying with the room spinning. So I've been looking after the horses all by myself because Nick's been laying on her back eating crisps. I'm, only, I'm so I laid up. So I lined up the horses and then I lined up all the chickens and I said, I'm on my own. You've all got to behave. It's very difficult because it's not so bad looking after my horses, but looking after someone else's horses, you really don't want to kill them. Now, that would be bad. That would go because down badly. Because it's a real responsibility. I'd rather just look after my own because they're mine. And if I make a mistake, that's my fault. But it's looking after your horses. It's very nerve-wracking because I'm always going to get told off. No, I didn't tell you off. And the chickens were very naughty Remember as well. Remember how I they? let Quincy out by mistake? You were furious. You came and shouted at me. Only only because I was in a panic because he had laminitis and he got on grass. And it was that an accident. Was it wasn't carelessness. It was panic. You've panic shouted at me many times. <laughs> panic shouting is a thing. So, yeah, so I've been, I've been half dead this week, haven't I? I'm still only sort of propped up in my chair. So but, what have you been doing apart from laying on your back? Well, I've... <laughs> Laying on my back. Thank God for Audible. Thank God for books you can listen to, because obviously I couldn't read because the room was spinning. I've been listening to Jane Fallon's new book that was out this week, Worst Idea Ever. I know she writes one a year. She does. She churns them out. You go, girl. But I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a great book. I'm not going to give any spoilers away. Well, tell us slightly what the plot is. The plot is um, about um, a couple that's got a single friend and the wife is trying to be very supportive to this single friend in her career, and it all just goes horribly, horribly wrong. She pretends to be a fan of her single friend. She does. They're both writers. Artists, yeah. So she does it anonymously on Twitter, and then her friend starts confiding things to this anonymous person. So it's, it's a revenge comedy, and it is quite funny... It is, and and I thought the characters were incredibly real. It really looks into a lot of a, a lot of morality about how lies and deceptions just turn into this spiral, and it just gets worse and worse. See, I lost a lot of friends when I became successful. I'm not successful anymore, but when I became successful, a lot of people dropped me. I mean, pretty much everyone dropped me. I would say everyone dropped me. Former PAs dropped me, colleagues, other writers, freelance writers. These were all people, so this is also a theme in the book, that I'd given a leg up to. I made one of them my deputy editor at Marie Claire. I gave another one a job. I'd put them in touch with an agent. I'd give them a good review. I'd write a line for their jacket. But I pretty much lost every single friend apart from my friend Sue Needleman. Mm. No, and I think that that does feature in the book a lot. And also I think being a single friend with a couple, I think that's a very interesting dynamic in the book. Have you been a single friend of a couple? Yeah, yeah, I have. And and the other way round. And, um, you know, I've sort of been... On the other end of this, where whenever a friend I've been a single me, friend of a couple, I always think, "Thank God I'm not in a couple." No, no, and it doesn't bother me. I mean, I, I, I've been on the other side of this, where a friend's come to me and said that my boyfriend had tried it on, or my fiance at the time had tried it on with her. So I was in that very difficult situation. Had where, he though? Uh, no, 
where you trust your best friend, you obviously want to trust your fiance. This wasn't time, was it? No, no, no. Oh God, no, no, no. This was many, many years ago. How many best friends and, have you had? Uh, I think she makes up for her friends. Like she says, she's got a sister. This, she doesn't really have a sister. This was before the very willing. And timing. then she went to a funeral. She said it's my dad's funeral, and it, well, he wasn't even her dad. Well, he was. He was like my stepdad. So he, as far to me, he was my dad. He's the only male person. No, but in he my wasn't life. your dad. To me, it was being a dad isn't about being biologically related, is it? It's no, about she likes how you the over egg things. She likes to exaggerate. And things. before she says it, my sister is only my half sister. <laughs> so, and you've she, never met her. I've never met her, but doesn't mean we're not. We communicate a lot and we get on really well. Anyway, so I was in that awful situation, and I think it was done really, really well in this book. Of really, who do you you trust? And your instinct is to trust your best friend, isn't it? Because women are supposed to be there with you through thick and thin. They're supposed to men come and go, you know. But you, but your best friend, that's it. That is your stability, your foundation. And when I was in that position, it was it was awful. And and I just said, look, there's been a miscommunication. It wasn't what Did you know you what I mean. Confront the man. Oh yeah, no, I pulled him in and said, right, she said this, you know, no mucking about. <gasps> Um, Minnie wants to play. Oh, no, no, no. Garden, Minnie. garden. Minnie. Right, so you recommend everyone go and buy Jane Fallon's yeah, book? Yeah, I, I think it covers a load of issues. It's a nice twist in plot. It covers a lot of dynamics between couples, between friends. My favourite thing about this book was that they go and get a rescue dog and the, the book is weaved around the rescue dog at the end, which is really nice. It becomes such an integral part of the book. But it's like a nice message. Lots of sort of little moral points in there that, and you know... It shows that dogs are better than men and dogs friends. Are, dogs are always better than men than friends. Apart from when Minnie wants a poo during a broadcast. Now, we're going to move on, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's column. Da, da, da. Because it is apps. I have to say, I have to big myself up because no one else bigs me up. I'm going to big myself up here. The column this Sunday is absolutely fantastic. She likes it. I've been writing for 45 years. Do you know what I mean? It takes practice. <laughs> it's true. That's it's, just what you say. It is. It's completely I'm true. 45 years to this column. <laughs> No, but it is. It takes practice. It does, it does. And it reads easily, but the the more easily something reads, the more skill has gone into it. See, I'm going to big myself up here. The more skill yes. goes into it. What you couldn't if... write this column. If you had a disastrous date, it would just be la, la, la. I'm going to take went... that as a challenge. No, I'm but you're not a writer. A I, no, I'm going to take that as a you're challenge. You're not a writer. <laughs> I might be a budding writer. So... This is date number one da, da, of the da. double dating, my double parkings. This is date number one we'll with the XX. The day of date number one dawned. I'd planned a Gucci hanky skirt, heels and a navy grey sweater. But as it was zero degrees, and even though there was a tent, I opted for toothpick jeans, biker boots and a pea coat. I got there early. I always get there early. I found our table. I dressed the three collies in fluoro padded jackets and as they formed a ring around me, it was as though I was flanked by tiny police officers. The old me would have ordered champagne, knocked it back, hidden the glass in a plant pot. The new me ordered fizzy water. I saw him walk up to the lectern. He was wearing dark glasses. Perhaps he was worried about snow blindness. 
As he walked towards me, no head swivelled to look, which I know will have bugged him. I stood and he leaned to kiss me on one cheek. I've not met this one, he said, ruffling Missy's forehead. Good, he named that collie. The next thing he said was, I thought you'd be wearing a skirt. Well, I'm not Billie Eilish, am I? I said, it's snowing. Champagne, he said. I no longer drink. Him, fun for me. You see how it's all about them? Always. I looked at the waitress. Can I have a vegan menu? He rolled his eyes. Ooh. Don't roll your eyes at me. It's not a surprise, Don't roll is your it? eyes at me. It's not a surprise. Don't roll your eyes at me. <laughs> and then he said... Minus point one. Are you sure you won't be getting back with what's his name? Me, no. I texted him and I asked him, just as I asked you, how he wanted to proceed and he didn't reply. Him. I don't blame him. This is all a bit aggressive, isn't it? He's only just got there. I mean, what about small talk? What about? I like, think what you know, happens, I think the reason men get aggressive with me the minute they see me is they arrive, I look amazing and they think, oh God, I'm not good enough. So is they it, start getting aggressive. Has he deteriorated? No. Oh, that's a shame. I kept thinking of the last couple of days' preparation in case he became mad with lust, decided to ditch the visit to see his new grandchild and came back to my cottage, fresh bed linen, pointy blue paper, log basket filled, man things in fridge. Then he said, I have a gift for you. Oh, I like people who bring me gifts. He stood and rummaged in his pocket. In that moment... Thirty-odd years of feminist conditioning and self-defence classes fell by the wayside. I thought for a moment a little padded box would emerge. My eyes widened as he said, as he pulled a blank CD case from his inside pocket, don't get too excited, it was his new album. I didn't take along my new book, did I? No, but next time you'll know to. It's obviously the done thing. So I said, I don't have anything to play it on. Gracie ate my Bang & Olufsen music system. Nowadays, I only stream music on my Sonos. Do you know what he then said? Go on. You can play it in your car. It's old enough. (gasps) Oh, dear. You see, they like to get in the little digs. This is no way to woo me, is it? Saying how old my car is. It's no way to woo me. No, he's not doing well so far. And it suddenly dawned on me, how many times have I met a man at a luxury hotel to have him spoil it? My niece's wedding in Edinburgh, I didn't get to hear the speeches. Limewood Hotel in the New Forest, I didn't get my main course. Lunch at the River Cafe, aborted as soon as the man who wasn't paying said, the panna cotta tastes burnt. My wedding night at Babington House, on and on and on and on. The worst... They behave, the nicer the venue. I waved at the waitress. Can I have the broccoli with hazelnuts and sourdough bread with olive oil? Of course, she said. And then it was so funny. Do you know what she said next? Go on. It's so lovely to see the famous Gracie. <laughs> so not the famous man, the famous Gracie, because Gracie. Gracie had done a runny poo at the Who same had venue. Been banned. <laughs> she had been banned, but Gracie's back. And then she turned to him and said, and what will you be having? So I said, Stevie Wonder's not staying. She backed away nervously. And then we had an argument. And he said, you are fun when you're sober. 
And I said, I have a disease. And he said, alcoholism? Isn't that rude? It's not really a, a, a date thing to say after so long. Not made really. me really angry. I nearly stabbed him with my fork. I said, no, I've got a disease that makes me completely deaf. It means I can't drink or operate cranes or go swimming. So he wasn't sympathetic. He said, but you hate swimming. Isn't that it's a typical man thing point. to say? Oh, I've got this really awful disease that means I can't go swimming. But you hate swimming. Not, not actually the point. Yeah, yeah. So I said, yes, but I would have liked to have had the option. Thanks for the empathy. He stood up. Missy licked his hand. He threw a tenner on the table as though he were a cowboy in a saloon. The waitress returned, so he'd left. I'm sitting there on my own. And she returned with the bread. And she said, at least Gracie behaved. Yay! yay. <laughs> Hallelujah! Isn't it funny, though? And that's why exes are exes. But do you think, like, when you've had a relationship with someone, if you then go back to it... You don't start from the beginning again. You don't. Well, start I was from a willing to place. start. I was willing to start from the beginning, but he is obviously very chippy and resentful. He comes along, sees me shining like a beacon of loveliness, and they're all annoyed. They can't have you, and that I've got on with my life and I'm happy and I'm in a good place. I bet you wish you kept your jobbers on. You can read this week's diary in full on Man on Sunday's You magazine. So sorry to interrupt, Liz, but we have a very important announcement that might just interest your listeners. There's another Mail on Sunday podcast and it could change your life. It's called Medical Minefield. Yes, where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. And that's with me, Barney Kalman, the Mail on Sunday's health editor. And me, Eve Simmons, the deputy health editor. Find us at mailplus.co.uk. Right, so... So we're going to go back to body image for the archive. Okay. And this is another thing I did, which I would never have wanted to do. This was from July 2012, and I was 53. And the mail phoned me up and they said, oh, we've just seen a new underwear campaign by Mary Helvin, the supermodel, and she's 59 and she's in a bikini. Would you like to recreate that photo of you in a bikini? I remember that. I remember your horror. I think I literally had a panic attack. I started hyperventilating. Yeah, you you wasn't best pleased, was you? Because I have never, until I was forced to do this photo shoot, which I didn't want to do, and I didn't say I'm not a model, I'm a writer, I'm an artist, I'm not a model, I'm not Mary Helvin, I'm not the body. But I said, no, okay. You were the body, because you looked amazing. You were the body. I'd never, ever worn a bikini, ever, ever, ever in my life, never. And if you, I'm going to get Nick to post a photo alongside this on Twitter. It's me as a teenager on a beach in Jersey, which is about as far as I ever went, sunbathing, and I'm wearing a top and jeans, and I look miserable. And I'll have to say, even though I was about 13, 14... I was obsessed with ageing. And in that picture, not only am I wearing top-to-toe clothes, while my friend Frances, my best friend Frances, was in a bikini, I had a 
a product called Parasol on my hair. So Parasol protects UV rays, getting to your hair and aging your hair. And I had 50 fats of sunblock on my face because age 13 or 14, I was worried about aging. But it's paid off though, hasn't it? And people should be worried about no, skin damage. No, but don't damage. you think that's terrible? No, you're very you're very counterintuitive today, Nicola. No, I think people everything should be I say, about I say white, you stay black. Yeah, but that's the whole point, isn't it? We don't always uh, agree. That's that's the dynamic. But don't you think that's a bit sad? A little girl, a lovely, lovely little girl is sitting on a beach, not having a wonderful time, splashing in the ocean. She's fully clothed and she's wearing a parasol on her bleeding hair. No, I do think that's sad. That's sad. I do think that we should be protecting our skin from a very young age. I do. Anyway, I recreated Mary Helvin's picture... And you can post this on Twitter as well. I will. So Nick's going to put a picture of me wearing parasol and a picture of me wearing a bikini. But in my contract for doing this, brought to the studio with his own cubicle was an airbrushed tan man. <laughs> and he airbrushed tan me in a cubicle and he sculpted. I was like George Michael having abs sculpted onto me by this spray gun. Shh. Fantastic. And then I posed with my legs in a certain way that made them look thinner. And it still haunts me, that picture. People still bring up, what about when you were in a bikini standing next to Mary Helvin, the body? But you held your own against Mary Helvin. You looked amazing. Absolutely amazing. But she looked amazing. Yeah, you both did. You both looked fantastic. And she said that she was quite hesitant about doing this. She said, the last time I modelled a bikini was 10 years ago to celebrate my 50th birthday. And I was talking about exercise and beauty tips. So I said to her, have you always loved your body? Because I'm quite good friends with Mary Helvin. She said, I like my body. I always have. I have flaws. Mine is my flat bottom. The trouble when you're thin, Nick, is you have a flat bottom. So you may worry about being curvy, but at least you have, don't have a flat bottom. I don't. I mean, I suppose at least I never sort of get in pain from sitting on my bones. But I'd still rather have a bit, you know... A bit less of a curvy bomb. But even though she was pretty much 60 years old, she goes to the gym and you think, could you be bothered really? This is Mary Helvin. I go to the gym four times a week. I get out of bed at 5.15am. I go to the gym on my holiday. When she goes abroad, she calls ahead and checks what equipment they have. She stopped drinking five months months ago. Champagne is notorious for causing cellulite. When she was at the height of her career in the 1970s, she weighed seven stone, two pounds. And she's five foot ten. Seven stone, two pounds. That's scary. And age 60, she was eight stone, five pounds. And she used to do couture at seven seven stone two pounds. So if you watch this documentary about Yves Saint Laurent, which is one of the best documentaries ever made, it's called Le Coup Foudre, and it's about his art collection, how he filled his apartment with Picattos and Matisses and all this amazing art. And there is a little snippet of Marie Helvin on the catwalk in the 1970s, and she's so thin. But the minute she got up above seven and a half stone, they got rid of her. So that shows to model couture, even in the 70s when women look more real, you're seven stone, two pounds, and you're five foot ten. 
And even though the women looked quite Amazonian in the 70s and they were a lot, a lot older, they weren't 16, you know, they're all in their 20s. For Mary Helvin, if you look at her in that documentary, Le Coufoudre, she's less than seven and a half stone. Wow. Isn't wow. that incredible? It is incredible, that height. But I'd never worn a bikini since that photo shoot and I'm trying to get the photo removed from the internet. Oh, you look fabulous. <laughs> Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. So how are our lovely readers this week, Nick? Our lovely readers are great. We have got a bit of an announcement to make this week. Have we? We We have about the tour. um, Because Karen has just had a notification um, about her tickets being cancelled and she's really disappointed. But is is my tour cancelled or is it just postponed? Well, it's postponed. So what's happening is, we're going to put something on Twitter about this, is basically I think all the tickets are being refunded and it will be... It will be sorted out for a later date. But with COVID, what we didn't want is for people to be with social distancing rules or to feel uncomfortable. But apparently there isn't going to be any social distancing after June 21st. Yeah, and then they're saying there might be in August. So the agents just felt that it could compromise But how come Elizabeth nice Day's time? event at the Barbican is still taking place? How come Catlin Moran's tour is taking place in July? I don't know. I don't know. This was a decision from uh, your agents and it would be better to leave it. Are you nervous about going out? No, I'm I'm not. I'm very careful because I'm worried about my mum. So I'm very careful. I don't sort of do anything I don't have to do. But would you go to a pop concert in July, say? Um, Probably not because of my mum. Probably not. I mean, we've got tickets to Tom Jones. But I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. Is she double vaccinated? She is now, yeah. You're about to be double vaccinated. God, I'm not looking forward to that week. Therefore, what's the problem? You've both been double vaccinated. What's the problem? It's absolutely ridiculous. I'm so anti this lockdown. I can't even tell you. Yeah. No, I don't. I think people should be living their lives. But I I just think just be a bit careful. I think I've seen like, you know, my mum's neighbour lost both her parents within three days of each other. Things like that do make me nervous about my mum's welfare. So, so once again, I lose a huge chunk of income that I've worked very hard to get, to get this tour, to write oh, the yeah. script, to psych myself up to doing it when it's incredibly terrifying. Yeah. Can you not see how disappointing it's, that it is? It is extremely disappointing. And I'm sure everyone... I think anyone who hasn't lost income during <coughs> lockdown, <coughs> like you, a pro-lockdown, oh, it's fine, it's lockdown, I haven't lost any money. If your income depended on you going out on tour, you'd be anti-lockdown, I swear. Well, no, I'm not saying that I'm pro or anti-lockdown. I'm just, this is what it is. The decision's been made above my head and hopefully we'll get it sorted for next year and then people can come along and really enjoy it. I think they're just worried people won't enjoy themselves. But we'll update you on Twitter and the website and everything. So all the information will be there. And Eventually. You will, you will hear from the, well, what, now the room's stopped spinning. And the theatres will be in contact anyway. Um, so we've also got uh, Sarah. Sarah's done a marathon. Uh, we've got a new podcast listener. And she's done a marathon. She says, hi, Liz and Nick. Hope you're both keeping well. I'm a big fan of your column. 
and I've been for a number of years, and so is her 80-year-old mum, 81-year-old mum. What do you mean she's done a marathon? I'm coming to that. She has listened to all our podcasts beginning on Monday and oh, has just marathon finished... Oh, Marathon of Podcasts. Marathon of Podcasts. She started on Monday and finished on Thursday. Poor her. How awful. Well, it can't have been that bad or she'd have stopped. So what was her verdict? Well, she's now going to listen every week and she really enjoyed it, but she thinks the music sounds like The Good Life, so she wants to know which one of us is Barbara and which one of us is Margot. I'm Margot. You're definitely Margot. She... Yeah, but you're not Barbara because you've never done any gardening in your life. No, I've never done any gardening, but I'm I'm the more hands-on one, aren't I? <laughs> but I can't be Margot, so you've so I've got to be Barbara. I love Margot. I actually think that Margot's wardrobe in that series is absolutely fantastic. If you look back at what yeah, she wore, she, did. she wore turbans and caftans and proper seventies fashion. No, she did. I love all that. Sarah also had a question for you, and she said, do you ever hear from your ex-husband, and does he ever contact you? The last time I heard from my ex-husband was after I came out of the Big Brother house. He emailed and said, hi, Lizzie, I think you did really well. I started watching Big Brother with my mum, but she didn't like the swearing, so we had to stop. Oh, well, that was quite a bit of solidarity, Blessing. But you see, what I like about my husband is even though he pops up occasionally in my column and on the podcast, he never complains. No. Because he's also an artist. Do you like the way I call myself an, an artist. artist? He's also an artist. And he understands that's the name of the game. Whereas every other's gone, oh, you've got to stop writing about me. I can't stand it. You've got to stop writing about me. Bugger off. What is it? Don't date. A writer. A writer. Don't date a celebrity columnist. <laughs> That's it for this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary of the Podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review, only good ones, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and mailplus.co.uk. I'll be back next week, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.